What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I'm your host, Mitch Corbett, uh, and this week uh, was the uh, Royal Rumble, the uh, the famous pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, um, this past weekend, and although, you know, in my personal humble opinion, the show wasn't as great as it could have been, I wanted to keep that wrestling theme going, and so I wanted to bring you guys to our guest, uh, uh, Old School Jim Conley. Old School is a professional wrestling, wrestling referee here in Ontario, uh, and he's been around for years, decades, if that, um, and he's res- wrestled, or refed, sorry, he's refed some really fantastic matches. He has a ton of stories to tell. Uh, he's also a, a teacher or a former teacher, uh, and so we talked a little bit about that as well. And if it was possible to mend his teaching background with his uh, refereeing background, um, it's a good conversation. He's always been a real cool, chill dude uh, with me when I was wrestling in Ontario. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with the old school Jim Conley. So, ready to start? Uh, anytime. I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well right. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with uh, referee and teacher Jim Conley, a professional wrestling referee, Jim Conley. Um, and uh, welcome to the podcast. It's called Hello, How Are You Today? So we start always with that. Hello, how are you today there, Jim? <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So I we've had many interactions at independent shows. We've rushed, rushed a bunch of shows um, that I think I've been on or have yeah, you've refed some of my matches and everything. Uh, one, a few that I had in Ontario, like, but like you started, you were like DDP when it comes to refereeing. Like you didn't start until later on in life. So what what made you want to become a professional wrestling referee? Well, I was an elementary school teacher, but always a wrestling fan. So I've been going down to Maple Leaf Gardens when I lived in Toronto, probably at thirteen and fourteen. You know, by myself on the subway. You never thought about it. I lived at Finch and Young, so going all the way down there, but you never thought about it. it was fun. So it was kind of, we're talking 1970, 69-ish. So it wasn't really cool to say you were a wrestling fan in high school. So you'd meet people who went to wrestling weekly and those became your friends. So it's not really different than now. But uh, I met a guy and we were the two quiet guys. We were the guys who stood back, never talked to anybody, but we would talk to each other quietly uh, because even the fans became celebrities, right? So Terry Dart and all these big names and Elio Zarlinga and stuff who ended up being uh, Frank Tunney's assistant uh, or Jack Tunney's assistant. So um, that legendary my friend Jack, was Jack a, Tunney. <laughs> yeah, my, my friend was a guy named Ron Hutchison. Oh. And Ron Hutchison <laughs> ended up becoming a wrestler. Now, I don't know him. I don't know where he lives. We just would meet at the gardens and say hi. And we were quiet and shy. And he ended up being the uh, wrestler. And then he ended up being the trainer of Trish Stratus and uh, Edge and Christian and uh, Johnny many, Slater many more. <laughs> a lot, yeah, many, many more. So uh, we never really kept in touch until there was a, a um, ah, the extreme uh, ECW show in Buffalo, and he was going to do a bus tour. So I wrote him, I, I gave him a you know shout on the email, and he remembered me from 30 years before. So I went down with his group to uh, watch the CCW show, and then we became friendly again. It was like we hadn't missed a beat, and 30 years later, we sat there with our buddy Charles, and we just, you know, cut apart the ECW show, because he was a traditionalist, as I am. And um, what happened was, probably, I'm 67 now, I was 45, and I said, is there anything I can do to get into wrestling? I said, I'm an elementary school teacher, I'm happy doing that, but, you know, I've got time off. 
Well, summer comes, I've got the summer off, and he writes me and says, come on down to the CNE. We're doing a, you know, a, a, a wrestling thing. So I went down and I'm watching and he just said, do you have running shoes in your car? I said, well, yeah. He says, well, you're roughing the next match. I said, pardon me? So he handed me the traditional opening referee, which means the Foot Locker shirt. So I had the Foot Locker shirt on with my, I think I, I, think I might have even had jeans on. They wasn't, I had no idea, zero idea. I had no desire to be a referee. Uh, I got in the ring. My first match was Sin Bowie, who was, was Kazarni in WWE, and a guy named VJ Singh, a very underrated, very good wrestler who just, yeah. just passed away recently. Um, and that was, it was a 15 minute draw. And, uh, it was, it was, that, that's how it began. 22 years later, I'm the oldest active, active referee in Ontario today. So uh, I still work. I worked up until a couple of weeks ago. So there you go. So like when you're watching the wrestling shows at Maple Leaf Gardens, which, you know, I thankfully got to see an event play there. I got to see yeah. the Leafs back in the day, historic yeah. venue, like kind of give me an idea of the feel for, a show there because I have to get because that's before kayfabe was broken and that's before yeah. like you knew it was like a worked thing I I'm mean not exactly. how, how cool must that have been I don't know if I appreciate it as much as I do now <clears throat> excuse me but um I don't know what your, your your fan base is but if you're a wrestling fan um goosebumps I mean, they had the ramp that went to the ring, and um, I was lucky enough to see Ripper Billy Watson and Johnny Valentine. No, not Greg, his dad. Um, and some of those guys, <laughs> they would wear the long robes. And remember, anybody, even if you're not a big wrestling fan, you know the entrance? There's no music. Wow. Music came in in the 70s. It, there was no music. And this is when they're you like large. Ripper Billy Watson come out, just automatic goosebumps. This guy was, oh, excuse me. Uh, was voted number one athlete in, can in in Toronto, beating Dave Keon during the Stanley Cups era. So that's how popular Whipper Billy Watson was, and how wrestling was looked at. It was a sport, not sports and this, entertainment. And this sport. is like this is like you know they're larger than life, right? Like they're, you don't know about their personal lives, you don't know their real oh. names. It's like what you see is what you get in the ring, and so that's. And when you say larger than life, you have to remember the wrestlers back then. Um, even though they, you know, we always, uh, a big joke in wrestling is how much do you weigh kid? 190. Okay. You're 200. You just automatically add 10 pounds just to make it bigger. But back then an average guy was 230, 230 pounds. They were big. So when you met your legends, they were bigger than you. Now I'm, you know, five eleven ish, at least I used to be until I started shrinking. Um, and now I'm about maybe 187, somewhere in there. I, my high school graduating weight, so that shows you, uh, 187 or so, and I was dwarfed by them. Now in the ring, one of the knocks against me as a referee is that I'm bigger than half the talent because the wrestlers now are 160, 170 pounds. Well, not you, Mitch, but um, some. <laughs> hey, I'm working on it, okay? New, new year, new me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I shaved Some my things head. never just change. To, that's why I shaved my head just to lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. Look, <laughs> no so I mean, but like, all right. So like, you started being all right, so like, it's such a weird like your story is so fascinating to me because like, getting into wrestling, like, what was the year that you started refereeing at? I started in two thousand. I've refereed two thousand two hundred and forty-seven matches. Okay, so like, but in two thousand, it's still kind of like 
an old school kind of era of wrestling where like you know you had to pay your dues kind of like well you always had to pay your dues honestly but like I imagine it was a little bit different for a 44 year old man to start paying his dues when he's had all his life experience and been a teacher his entire life telling people what to do it, 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 it was I still think it's tough for me. I don't really fit in. I don't know why you and I got along so well. It was just sort of one of those, there's about five wrestlers in the business that I just automatically have a relationship with and you're one of them. Yeah. And uh, I think it was just a sense of humor and realizing that we don't take life too seriously. Um, I take wrestling seriously, but I don't take, you know, in general, yeah. if I make a mistake, eh, you know, <laughs> it yeah. happens. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was tough for me because, first of all, Ron Hutchison goes in the dressing room. Christian happened to be watching. <laughs> so there's my first match. And he looks at, at the uh, dressing room and says to them, this is Jim. He knows more about wrestling than you ever will. So listen to him. So that put me way to put in a, bullet, a crap a bullet, position. Way to put a fucking a sniper bullet on my. I right have there. so much heat with some of the wrestlers still because of that because they didn't really. It sort of it was a great. I know what he was trying to do, and Ron's a good friend of mine. We still we go to Vegas every year to Cauliflower Alley, a wrestling reunion thing, but um, it put me in a really bad position because the 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 wrestlers really didn't respect me after that. No, do you think was that was do you think huge. that was a test for you or a test for the wrestlers to show someone who's older than them respect? Like I don't know who's, who's, who's in it for like the. I think it was more of a hey, listen to this guy, you know, he looks like, you know, he doesn't look like he knows much, but he's been around and he's been a fan for 30 years and, you know, he knows a lot about wrestling. Um, but I think he didn't think of the repercussions, which was I looked like the promoter stooge. Mm. Um, so, and that put me in position, plus my age. Um, I was 45 at the time. I'm 67 now. The old veterans, like you were talking about in the early days when I watched wrestling in the, you know, 60s and 70s, um, that's the age I should be. You know, and like most the of the, most of the, most of the referees like back in those days were they were also like uh handlers for the wrestlers were they not like they were just, ways, it, yeah. it wasn't just a referee position well it, it could be depending where you were the, the, the cool thing about back in the day was the toronto referees would referee whatever came in and what i mean by that is um i'll give you the example because i'll give you the names it was uh when i first watched it was fred atkins and pat flanagan those were the referees both Ref famously rex axon's dad yeah well, <laughs> his biggest influence. <laughs> hey, I'll give you a quick, quick side story that I remember. Jim McKenney, my very favorite hockey player of all time with the Leafs. At one time, Fred Atkins was brought in as the Buffalo Sabres training guy. But he also went down and did the Leafs for one year. And some of the guys gave him a hard time. And I think it was McKenney. I don't know why, just because he's my favorite player. But uh, they, they laughed and said, this 75-year-old guy didn't look like anything. They said, okay, we'll give you a push-up contest. If I win, then we don't do any more training for the day. And McKinney had to miss the next game because Fred Atkins was still going. <laughs> so, so he was a tough son of a gun. But as a referee, he was slow. And he, when he hit the mat, you didn't hear it. And uh, there was a lot of things there. But if an NWA champion came in or whatever came in, WWWF back in the day or AWA, at one point we got all the people, and they would come in to us. And the referees would be their referees. Nobody flew in their own referees. So, for instance, now when you go to see WWE, you're not going to see a Toronto referee there, unless it happens to be Daryl, who is a WWE referee. But um, you didn't and have that. Important, so, right? Yeah. So, I mean, um, 
it's just a totally different thing. And it's sad for me because as a Toronto referee around for a lot, it would have been nice when TNA came in that I had a chance to referee or, you know, when WWE came in, they would have to find a referee in Toronto. So it was a possibility. It's not a possibility anymore, which is, is so sad. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, for me and Canadians, of course, because of visa issues, you know, it's hard to get into the States. So I don't know if people know that or not, but uh, you don't see a lot. I mean, it's so nice to see Josh Alexander finally make it the best wrestler I've ever wrestled, uh, refereed on a regular basis. Um, and I've said it for years and years and years. So he's with TNA now or Impact, whatever they call it this week. And uh, yeah. It's so Impact, it's Impact Wrestling, available Thursdays, I think, eight on uh, Fight Network somewhere. Shit, I should know this. Anyways. <laughs> on Game TV, too. And yeah, yeah I don't watch it. Oops. Should I not say <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, oh, no, it's like, it's, it's t- like life is so busy, especially when you're trying to just survive. Like, you know, well, that's, that time the differences. Right? That's one of the differences. We would watch wrestling on a weekend. So I would watch about seven hours of wrestling and uh, each show was different. So you'd watch WWF from Pittsburgh. You'd watch uh, not from Pittsburgh TV. It was just a Pittsburgh feed. Um, you'd watch NWA. You'd watch NWF from Buffalo. Uh, NWA from Toronto, which was Maple Leaf Wrestling before it was WWE. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this. So, like, you watched that product. You got to see it with, like, the very minimal lights, very minimal camera yep. work. And now you see today's product, which is AWWE, uh, Impact, ROH, um, yep. New Japan. Like, there's so much content available. And now I know you're an old school guy, but oh I feel like you're also the type that you're, you're, you're not going to say, oh, they're doing it wrong. But oh no no no! I love the new stuff. I knew the I, I, and exactly what you said. That uh, 2021 means content. So all they want is content, content, content. I don't understand it because I came from, and this is where I was trying to say earlier. The old veterans don't respect me because I go down to the Vegas and they don't respect me because I never did the territories. The new guys think I'm way too old now to touch, so I don't really fit in with anybody. Uh, the new are, are you guys. sure that because are, are you sure that people aren't asking you to tell stories because i mean that's why i wanted to have you never on, we're just telling never so <laughs> well, i get I, on podcasts i do i've done a bunch of podcasts but um this one's the best one though <laughs> you <laughs> shut your fucking mouth uh, <laughs> all right so let me ask yeah, you this so, so like you, you yeah the difference what i meant by content by i'll just finish my thought um in the old days it was an hour show and it was an infomercial to go to the arena live that's what it was that's why you heard the term jobber, which I don't like. It's an enhancement worker. And I know quite a few of them in Toronto, Tim Gerard and Alex, uh, great, you know, Alexander the Great, and those guys, they were, you know, Bobby Bass. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I, I remember I was in a dressing room once and they kind of didn't give the respect to Bobby that they didn't know who he was. I'm going, I just took a bunch of them aside and said, okay, how many of you work in front of 18,000 people? Okay, then shut your mouths because he has worked at Maple Leaf Gardens. How do I know? Because I have his autograph. You know, I have Bobby Bass's autograph. Peace and love, Bobby Bass. That was when he did his hippies. He had a little hippie era there. For, but he didn't win very many matches, not in Toronto anyways. But he was a well-respected veteran. And um, he probably, you know, as I said, you could have a career and not win that many matches. Uh, because you just traveled from place to place. You know, you won in this area. You lost in this area. You just wanted to work. So you, you want to feed your family. That's what wrestling's all about. It's about, you know, the money, except unless you're a referee. Um, but yeah. And so, and so I mean, speaking of that, like you're talking, about, you're talking about enhancing talent, uh, guys that, you know, were there to make the star shine. Another uh, important cog in that machine is the referee. 
and you were kind of thrown into the fire not like I'm sure you knew the basics but like there is a there's an art form to being a good professional referee so like how how much have you learned how much have you forgotten like what was that experience like actually like deciding like oh I'm gonna go into it now because like you could have just done that one CNA show and then yep. just like, oh, I did it once in my life. And, I can say I did exactly it. what but I thought it was. But you decided to keep on going with it and you've yeah. improved over the years that now you're you're booked I on most so. shows. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I do have some bitterness against my first 10 years because I really wasn't taught anything and I did it on my own and I look back and cringe because, and probably some of the matches I did with you even, I cringe because I probably took more of the limelight than I should have. And in 2010, and I'm lying because I have no idea, but I think it was around them, Jim Corderas had finally left WWE. And, you know, Jim Corderas at one point was the longest reigning referee in WWE history um, from Toronto. And, um, and it was a friend of mine who hired him. So <laughs> a little bit of bitterness there. But uh, yeah, he uh, uh, did a seminar. And it was the first referee training that a lot of us in Ontario ever had. And I mean, it was a who's who's of Ontario indie referees who went there for this, uh, you know, um, Sam Sino up in your way was there and Brian Renda and, the, the, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, Dave Dredd. All we've very been, good dudes too. We've been poking around for years, but none of us really had training and nobody cared. You know, if, you know, front row of a, a wrestling match, hey, let's get my cousin out here to ref. And that's actually how I've made my comeback, which is another good story, but I'll tell you that later if you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the first training I had. And then and not that you took everything. Like, I mean, uh, Daryl from uh, NXT and now WWE, I think, uh, more and more, um, did a seminar recently. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to get much out of this because you're teaching a different kind of refereeing. There used to be just one kind, but now there's TV refereeing. And it's a different ball game. And you're doing WWE, which have very, very strict rules because Vince is very much on the rules. He, he has his hands on anything. You listen to Cornette or any of those guys, they'll tell you. Vince micromanages every little thing. And nothing wrong with that. It's his company and he's successful. So why would you change a winning uh, formula? But, uh, you know, he's very, very, you know, where Daryl will say, um, here's what you do in refing. And I'm going, well, not in indie, you don't. You know, in indie refing, there is, you know, there is but no there are count. tools that There's you can not take. a count out for a main event. Sorry, but there, are, but there are tools that you can take from TV and add indie and vice versa. Oh, absolutely, like little things. But some of the rules he was saying, I was just going. I just, I mean, I didn't say it to him because I didn't want to, you know, take any heat away from him, but um, or any shine. I mean, but he, he was, uh, you know, and and the young guys have a chance to make it. I don't. I don't have a chance to go anywhere. But you know. Uh, and there's always Ontario. more to say wrestling there's always impact you could there's smash i mean there's tons of great product in ontario that you know, get you on tv so yeah oh i know absolutely i've been on tv several times on little things and I've, I've had i mean i actually did referee a tna world champion match uh through some luck and uh you know and it was an amazing experience uh which was jeff jarrett versus sabu versus rhino versus Samoa Joe in a tables match that was and like exciting. so like let's let's talk about that I mean that's such a mix of like old school new school wrestling like you have like a, almost a wrestler from each decade kind of thing in that but match. that was back in the day when it was an actual TNA not impact and yeah. the belt was heavy I don't have a picture of it because you my first 10 years you got to remember cell phones weren't around not the kind that we have now that you take a picture of everything in every part of your life uh, back in the day, you know, you had to have like a 35 millimeter camera and it, it, I didn't carry one. Um, I was at the, the, the match that I was doing was a publicity for the fight network, which was the fight network launch party. 
mm-hmm. at the warehouse in front of about a thousand people. And you'd think, I mean, I just relaxed. I went, oh, but there, you know, I came out. They opened up the curtain and it was Bret Hart on this side and Jimmy Hart on this side. Is there a picture of that anywhere? Nope. There's got to be an event photographer somewhere that has photos somewhere down the line. Nope. And it was for the media. That was the whole idea. So I was like, there's no, I've got a bad picture of me with Rhino, Rhino's leg (laughs) and me. And that's about it. So, I mean, you know, I ref, you know, that, that happened a lot in my first 10 years. I had some really pictures that I would love to have seen, but just nobody took pictures back then. Now let's, let's talk about the physicality of being fresh wrestler. Like you started at 44. Um, I hope, I don't know how what kind of shape you were in back then, but you're keeping yourself in better shape now with the zoom and everything. But like, talk about the physical toll that, you know, refereeing takes on you. Cause I mean, like it is, it's, it's your joints, it's your elbow and your hand and your knees get up and down. And it's, it's, it's a lot harder than I think people give. The first year I had a bruise on my forearm. Uh, because of the one, two, three. And because the one thing, the one piece of advice I got was hit the mat harder. So I did. And I was doing uh, six to seven matches a day, every day uh, during the CNE. I didn't, I only did about five days in the first year, maybe 10 the second year, and maybe, you know, 12 the last year. Because uh, I had to go back to school, right? So I, you have to have that week to prepare. But um, yeah, I mean, my knee, well, I mean, my worst, I'll start with the minimum, then I'll give you a good story. Um, I think it's a good story anyways. Um, so, I mean, the physicality, of course, I mean, uh, I'm a 67 year old man with 16 year olds, 17 year olds. Um, so, I mean, just what I tell the referees around Ontario, cause there's a lot of really good ones, but they all are too heavy in my humble opinion. Now, I have a little gut, but I hide it pretty good. Um, and I do, you know, you, as you said, I do Zumba, but I also weight lift. I also do the elliptical. I do lots of things like that. And I do keep myself, I pride myself on keeping myself in shape, even when I taught. So I don't want to hear the excuse, well, you're retired. I mean, yeah, that's an advantage. Actually, while I was waiting for you, I was doing push-ups. Um, so yeah, I do do, you know, a lot of exercise, but you know, the gyms are closed to me just as much as they are to you. So, I mean, uh, I haven't, you know, I only have been going for the last couple of months. It was Omicron. I guess I'm not going to be even doing that for a while. Um, but yeah, you have to keep physical. Now I've had, uh, I remember I was, you know, I'm going to drop a name here, Rosemary from Impact. From Impact. Um, AKA look at my Courtney name. Rush. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Rush. I know. Lovely human being. She'll always be that. Um, but she looked at my knee one day and said, you know, your knee is swollen. And I had no idea. So I'm 10 years, 15, maybe 12 years in. And somebody said, oh, you don't wear knee pads? I had no idea. Jim, you were wearing knee pads. <laughs> nobody told me. Oh so God. I didn't know. Unless you have somebody telling you. So I'm, as I said, I'm a little bitter at people. But that's how you do that know. sweet slide into a cover is with the knee pads. Yeah, knee pads I know. Slide in like a one, two. Yeah, it's really cool with them on my bare knees. Uh, but whatever. That was one injury I had. But other than that, I've been pretty good. A few, you know, ankle twists and things like that. You get into awkward positions, too. I remember talking to Josh Alexander, casually dropping another name. Um, one time and I said, you know, uh, what do you think of me as a referee? You've never said anything. I, we've, I've known him since before he was training. And uh, he said, you know why you're a good referee? I never noticed you. That very day, I did the old man slow motion. He just knocked into me the least little bit. I did the most old man's slow motion fall you've ever seen in your life. I fell over trying to save myself in slow motion, made an idiot of myself. And of course, Josh had just said how wonderful I am because you don't notice me. 
My worst injury, down in your way, St. Catharines, Ontario, Crossfire Wrestling, against a man, I will not say his name because I've never told him he's done this to me. So the deal was, how kayfabe is this? No, fucking nothing. It's not I can say anything? Yeah, All sure. right. <laughs> All right. I did a run-in, and the deal was, when oh, did, I you get blow in, your, did you blow your knee out like Mr. Man did at the Rumble though? One year? Oh no, this is a little bit worse. Oh, I ran in and I was supposed to be. No, I'm not supposed to be. I ran in and got knocked out by one of the wrestlers. Okay, he just gave me a shot and I decided to get out of the way, so I rolled out of the ring. Now, if you've ever been to Crossfire, the ring is very high, but I was able yeah. to do it. And I it's landed. a big ring too, very large. It's a big ring, so I rolled out, fell down. Didn't hurt myself. I'm pretty good that way. Head down, like this. The 280-pound wrestler who did not know that I had been knocked out, hadn't seen it, did a move where he jumped out of the ring on top of my head. Well, I've uh, been getting a needle in my eye every month since because I, I had a stroke. That doesn't sound like a, a malicious thing at all. It seems oh like no, 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 no! And that's why I don't say anything to him because I would. I know he would feel. The bigger they are, the you know, the, the nicer they are, more sensitive. He would. It would God. break his heart to know that he crossfire did that. wrestling two hundred eight pounds. I think I know who this is. Yeah, You're fucking Tomer. God damn it! No, Tomer. no, I'm not. I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> off camera. I'll tell you off camera. That I would bought. be a Tomer thing to do. But no, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's also one of those guys who like uh Tomer's also one of those guys who was just like uh but like, always the nicest dude, like even to like new guys like myself. Oh, yeah. And like I imagine he would just feel terrible if he did some of that. But yeah, I know like, he's him. he's one of my better uh, favorite people. So I mean, yeah. Um no, that was my worst injury. I still get a needle in my eye once a month. That happened in December three years ago. So it's been three years of a needle each month and uh, to drain the eye. And uh, it's not, it's not, it's sound, you know what a, a needle in the eye feels like? A needle in the fucking eye. That's what it feels like. It's disgusting. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, all right, now let's talk a little bit about uh, yourself and not just wrestling, but like as a teacher, you have the privilege of seeing the and developing young minds and seeing them go on and do great things. Yep. And as a referee, uh, a man who's been doing it for 20 years, you get to see all these young wrestlers uh, develop and go on and do big things. Josh Alexander, a prime example of that. Yep. So is there anything that you've taken from your teaching field that could be related to refereeing and vice versa? I think just my personality. I mean, uh, every, there's lots of different kinds of teachers and all the politics you see in wrestling, it's in teaching just as much. And every, whatever, I don't even know what you do now, now that you're off the ship. Um, it, there's politics everywhere. But my personality is I've always, always believed that I, academics were secondary. Um, confidence and building up people's self-esteem is my big thing. And uh, creating an atmosphere in my classroom for everybody to, to succeed in their own way and to feel good about themselves. Um, now I'm 67. My first class are now, and I taught grade six mostly, uh, my first class come over for beers now because they're 45, 50 years old. Um, so we, it, it's that kind of thing. Same thing with wrestling. You'll never hear me, like I see a lot of the referees, especially the referees that are really, really respected. Um, they're very critical of you and they'll tell you, you know, you know, don't do this, don't do this. I don't do that. I've never done that. I, I've always done, you know, if I really, really saw a green wrestler, I might say, that was awesome. Next time, what would you do differently? 
know, that yeah, kind construct, of constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. I don't believe in the yelling and screaming. And I've had enough yelling and screaming at me in wrestling, certainly more than any other job I've ever had. Um, wrestlers, if it, does, it doesn't go your way. The difference is, you know, the wrestlers, you know, plan their matches or whatever. But I mean, they talk about it, think about it 24-7. They're driving to the car thinking about what they're going to do in their match. Uh, they're acting, I'm reacting. In other words, I don't know what they're doing. I'm just reacting to what they do. Um, so a lot of times that makes it really hard for me. So um, I have to sort of, I, I have to be patient with wrestlers because they have an idea of what they want and I don't, you know. So if it's a young green wrestler, sometimes I might say something in the ring, but very, very seldom. Most of the, most of the time, the only advice I give is, hey, throw them in a headlock and get yourself together. Mm. Because a lot of times they lose their place and they look at each other with, you know, deer in the headlights. And you know, when you see that spot, you just go grab a oh, headlock, yeah, grab I've an arm bar, do something <laughs> and get yourselves together. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I've ever said it to you, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, I was for, I, I've only had a cup of coffee on Ontario wrestling and I'm hoping maybe one day I can get back into it, but who knows. Um, now talk about, like you said that your former students are now coming up for beers and everything. I mean, how rewarding is it to see these young men and women develop both in professional wrestling and as a te- as and just uh young men and women developing in their lives or thing like oh I it's got to be uh, such a like a interesting and like fun thing to see well like wrestling teaching is a lifestyle it's not a job um i haven't worked a day in my life i i, I taught and then i wrestled on the weekend or, or refereed i actually do wrestle too um not very often uh, but yeah, it is rewarding. And uh, most of the kids that I've had, you know, I, I only had one kid. We just did, we were oil and water. And um, he had such a big ego. And I, I'm more of a guy who likes to quiet kids, try to bring them out of their shells. But he ended up becoming a, a country singer. And he's actually on the radio and everything else. So I mean, and, and now we're friends. Like, I don't know what happened at that particular time. But most kids, I mean, I'm, it doesn't matter what they're doing. I'm just happy. You know, I've got two right now from my very first class would have been in 1986 and they're going through as teachers right now at 45 years old so I mean hopefully that I'm a little bit of an inspiration too because I mean I started at 31 in teaching and 45 at wrestling so I mean I'm always late to the party but you know I, I started dancing in my 60s I threw my first drop kick and trained wrestling at 63 so I mean um hopefully I'm an inspiration that way as well but so yeah where, I does mean, that, where does that where does that um attitude come from do you think because like you're just you're doing things because you want to do them whereas a lot of people do think don't do things because they're afraid of how they're going to look how they're going to uh um look to others sort of thing um like why where where does this attitude like oh i'm why the why not (laughs) i have no i mean if you're in wrestling mitch there's an ego thing you must agree and even though in the dressing room, you and I are probably the quietest guys in the dressing room. Yes, I see. I think that's my problem. I was never the quietest in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what dressing room. Rock solid was pretty quiet. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, we all have an ego and uh, I, I like to be center of attention. I mean, I do. So in the, you know, when I, and I like to involve the fans, but as a referee, I probably involve them too much because the dancing thing, I love dancing. I always have as a you know in the 1960s you didn't dance as a guy there was a you know a stigma to that i mean we didn't do dance routines and you know you might do a little disco or something but i mean really and truly so now you you look at tiktok and it's just dan instagram and it's dance 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 so i picked up zumba 
And, uh, but I do a little, you know, a little flossing just before the match, you know, I'll do a little floss so that, and I'll look, I'll try to find one kid in the crowd and I'll floss and nod to him. And a lot of times they'll floss back and it's just, just a way to get them engaged and saying, Hey, this old guy's not totally out of it and may get the guys a chuckle. I never do it during a match, but I'll do it, you know, maybe in that in-between time where there's, you know, a little bit of lull in time and try to engage the, the audience that way. Otherwise, TikTok, Eddie old school, one, two, three. I, uh. <laughs> I, yeah, I, remember, I remember I was roughing a match in Ontario. Uh, it was RJC versus Ta- Tiberius King, Jesse, who you probably know awesome. well. And yeah. Nug and their Nug was uh, managing RJ City. And uh, they'd had a spot where like they were um taking a photograph with RJC had Tiber King on the ropes, and Nug's like, get in the picture. And I'm like, no, I'm the referee, I can't do that. And then afterwards, <laughs> like, oh, you should have done it. I'm like, but that's not what a referee does. <laughs> yeah. Not, you do I, what you're told in the ring. I mean, I'll tell you something. No, I wasn't told to do it. He was hoping I did, but in my mentality, the referee's there to um, um, enforce the rules. So I had to count. I can't pose for a goddamn picture. It, and it's hard right while, now the, while the one guy's getting choked out. Since Vince is there now, um, it's sports entertainment. That's where there's a little tug because my old veteran, you know, territory guys want me to go this way. My young guys want me to do this. So I'm somewhere in the middle. But if they whisper to me and tell me to do something, I recently was in Oshawa and uh, talk about impact again, dropping some names, Cody Diener. And I ended up being tag team partners. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, re- I wrestle and I never say the word wrestle. I perform as Zumba King. So that's mm-hmm. my wrestling name. I, you know what? If you ever come to see me, don't worry. I don't wrestle. <laughs> I can lock up and do a few moves. But basically, I do a little Zumba, have some fun. And that's what happened in that match. He called everything for me. So I was doing some arm twisters. It was against my very favorite wrestler in the ring, Andrew Davis. And I was doing arm twisters on him and all this stuff. And Cody's telling me what to do. And it's so obvious and not. So we ended up not. We didn't win that match. But afterwards, I'm standing. And this is where my respect for Cody Diener went through the roof is he just whispered to me and said how do you do zumba and here's cody deaner champion on impact wrestling and i'm saying this was a month ago and he comes out and he does zumba with me and he and he didn't even want the match when he came and found out that he was wrestling with me he was like oh my god no and he's there was my career kind of thing (laughs) so it ended up he's such a good sport he did it so i mean he's fun too but a lot of times wrestlers in the ring will whisper to you something i did a thing with uh uh, Jock Sampson and Little Guido uh, from ECW and they were doing a spot and they were killing each other and they hit each other with beers but before the match Guido says make sure you get a beer and he says do you remember what Sandman used to do with the boom 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 yeah so yeah that's what he asked me to do with a glass bottle no it was a can <laughs> that's the that's the rib is they give you a glass bottle and it's but the, the finish was guido says grab my hand i grab his hand and we do the double elbow on jock one two three and i had to count it but am i am i going to say no to little guido no of course not so it was a fun spot he let me get a bit of the shine and uh it was so fun uh and so, like, you mentioned Cody Diener, um, another guy that is, like, so well-respected, not just yeah. in Ontario, Tyson, but Tyson worldwide. Dukes, I, I got to throw Tyson yeah. Dukes' name. Tyson Dukes and Cody Diener are the godfathers of Ontario wrestling, in my humble opinion. But Ty, uh, Cody is also, you know, uh, a very well-known uh, public speaker. 
And yep. it kind of seems dangerous. like you guys would have something like that in common where you're both trying to like build people up sort of thing. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever discussed that sort of thing in terms of like public speaking? We're not really, speaking? you know how it is. And I, I said earlier in the thing, I said, you know, the five guys in my career, like you're one of them. Um, I, you know, especially with the rock solid group, I didn't really have any friends there, even though I was there a decade. Um, I'm friendly with them. I'm acquaintances. I can say I've said 30 words in my life to Cody Diener. So, I mean, we're just, you're just not those kind of Rex Atkins and you, and there's a handful of other guys that uh, Rob Swift, whatever his wrestling name is this week. Um, those are my friends, friends. Um, it'll, it'll always be Robbie Reckless to me. Yeah, I know. To me too. That's who I refereed <laughs> first. I certainly knew him before, you know, B is another friend and Skylar Rose, another friend. All seem to be in Niagara region. Of course, I live up in Elmville, which is, you know, half an hour north of Barrie. So, I mean, I don't get to visit my friends very often. We've got a couple of guys up here. We've got D-mans up this way. And, uh, you should just go and retire in Niagara. It's way better Pardon than me? Elmville. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just go get I, say, so I, yeah, Lake, I wish I could say I sat down and talked about teaching with them. But, I mean, there's actually quite a few teachers in wrestling. Uh, uh, Darkstone and uh, you know, a few of those guys are teachers. So, I mean, we've, we've chatted a bit more. But uh, Cody Diener, I mean, he's in a different league than me. I used to go watch him as Cody Steele. And uh, back in the day, he was one of my first guys that I would actually pay money to see. And so to, to my earlier question, like you got to see um, Eric Young as the director, uh, Cody Diener as Cody Steele. I have and never these guys, seen and... Eric Young. I've never seen Eric Young live. <laughs> oh, really? Sorry. I got introduced to him once at a Burger King by Cody Diener, but that's it. <laughs> but like you see these guys develop from these green wrestlers to now they're on TV. Yeah. And like, do you use those examples as like how people can you know go through the shit the mud of like uh wrestling and come on top and be great like to your students absolutely. Uh, when you're yep. teaching sort of thing it mean the wrestlers yeah absolutely i'll tell them um for instance no i mean like, like to your student your, your teaching students because like you get to see oh. these guys like like i feel like a big thing with being a, a teacher is that you you see these kids and they're struggling especially now yep. with covid um being a thing um yeah my son and, then the, and, and there's probably not a whole lot of confidence that comes with being a young person and being in school. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you can take the element of seeing these young professional wrestlers and like, you know, it's, it's a hard road to be successful. Yeah. And now these guys are being successful. Do you ever kind of take those stories and I have, I have, I mean, I have, I've been retired for almost a decade now, but I'm in my ninth year of retirement. One of the perks of teaching. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly, I used to have pictures of wrestling all over my classroom and uh, Asylum is also a teacher. He won't even tell anybody that he wrestles. But me, I used to put them all, I had every picture of Samoa Joe and everybody else up on my wall. And where it came in handy was parents' night because the dads would be, you know, they'd come in to you know, tear a strip off me and they'd look at the wall and go, is that Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Yeah, cool. And now he sits down and he's calm. <laughs> it's like, okay, yay, that worked. Um, and then we talk about wrestling the rest of the night. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it, it's nice to see a Sean Spears and, and, and have the success because, you know, just going in the ring with them, you know, they're good. I, I was lucky enough to referee Beth Phoenix and Gail Kim in their early, early days and uh, Ali and, so, you know, some of those ones, even Rosemary to a certain extent as, you know, Courtney Russians things. And you see the difference. You can just feel the difference between them and other wrestlers. They just have a drive. And that's what you explain to people, uh, you know, even the young wrestlers, I tell them, you know, you, the drive they have, the attitude you have, you've got to, you know, you've got to keep at it. I mean, if you want to be a, a successful professional wrestler, whatever successful means, successful can be. And I try to tell them, I said, is there anything really wrong with having a reasonably good job and re wrestling on the weekends? 
um, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, do you really have to go? Because there's not a lot of options anymore. Now that A&E is there, it's certainly a lot easier. A&W, AEW, it's a lot easier to get a job now um, than it was. There was that period there that was WWE or nothing um, because TNA was kind of such a secondary uh, thing and ROH um, that there wasn't really a, a lot of jobs out there. When I first started, um, there was still WCW a little bit. Um, it was sort of dying at that point, but there was still uh, ECW and there was a bunch of places and territories were pretty well dead, but there was the odd territory still. So there was still, you could you know make a living. I think what the people out there don't realize is you know there aren't a lot of full-time wrestlers in Ontario. There's only five or six that I know of. I don't know too many who can just live off professional wrestling. That's the difference when I started watching wrestling in the 60s, where these guys were full-time wrestlers. Bobby Bass was a full-time wrestler. He wrestled in Vancouver, and then he'd go to the East Coast, and then he'd wrestle at Maple Leaf Gardens, wrestle in Maple Leaf Gardens. So, I mean, he had those options. I don't know how much in the States he went. Oh, he did go in the States. I know he did. Um, by the way, Bobby Bass is like the biggest star when we go to Vegas in Cauliflower Alley everybody's wrestled him or knows him like it, it, it's it's shocking like he is so popular there um but yeah i mean uh, it, uh having you know having role models like cody and tyson are important um and you, you tell the story tornado is another one i mean you know tornado and uh and tyson at one time had more wwe match matches than anybody else not under a contract so you know they they did really well and, and and you know our our successes are a little bit more limited so um because we don't have the access to the states so much so there's guys in the states who are on tv who may not be as good as some of the ontario boys it's just the way it is and it's a visa thing so there um you mentioned the cauliflower uh cauliflower alley club which is a very cool thing that i see you just send show pictures of and everything um and for people that don't know it, who might be listening to this, um, it is a um, it's a Hall of Fame for wrestlers, correct? Or um, it's what it is. It's it's just it was started back in the day with Mike Mazurki and all you know back in you know the '30s, you know. And what it was was just a dinner uh, sort of thing of having a bunch of wrestlers together. And then what happened is, as these guys retired, they kept coming. So now all of a sudden you got all these retired wrestlers. So when I go down to Cauliflower Alley, just to give you an example. Um, if I looked around the room, we draw about 500 on a good year. And sometimes 75 of those 500 are from Canada. And I've had a beer with Pat Patterson. I have, you know, uh, and Gene Okerlund. I've looked around the room and they're, you know, WWE usually buys a table. So at that table, usually a Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, I've, you know, Jerry Lawler might be there. Um, JJ Dillon from, you know, NWA. And, and he's, he's a regular Terry Funk's a regular, Greg Valentine's a regular. So there's those guys, but you know, you're, you're not, you know, I'm not going to be hanging out with those guys. My thrill, and this means nothing to you. I hope you have some listeners or my age. My thrill one year was I met the all-star wrestling guys from Vancouver because that was one of the first national wrestling shows. All-star wrestling from Vancouver was all across Canada for years. And I met Moondog Moretti. I was so excited. So here's Greg Valentine over there. I'm going, no, no, that's Moondog fucking Moretti. And we ended up becoming friends. And we were having a great time having beers. I'm just, I'm actually screaming. My first year there was Puppy Dog Pelican, who was a miniature mad dog Bashant from Winnipeg. So I started, you know, and I met him and I was saying hello. And we were having a beer. 
ask, and I said, well, do you have any stories? Like, for you know, you were with AWA. Did you ever meet Hulk Hogan? He just looked at me and said, bring over a couple of pitchers. <laughs> he's older than I am. And we were drinking by the pitcher. And he's telling me stories. He says, Hogan, uh, that Hogan guy. Now, puppy dog Pelican was a little guy, but he said they put him in a couple of matches with him. And he, they said they had to lead Hogan around because Hogan didn't know what he was doing. And um, so that's the kind of stories you're getting. Eh? And, and I'm just like in, in awe listening to his stories. And that's what you get down there. I meet the guys who are the enhancement workers. Bob Wayne is a really good friend of mine from Calgary Stampede Wrestling. And he'll tell you who he's wrestling. You know, oh, Tracy Smothers, that was like wrestling butter. It was butter, baby. In other words, he was just smooth and, you know, didn't hit, you know. So he'll, and he'll find some other enhancement worker and they're just talking. I just sit there, keep my mouth shut and listen to the stories because they're great. But you also get the new guys too. So, I mean, you know, um, I've seen, uh, you know, uh, some of the newest stars, you know, are there. Um, and they always bring in some guest stars and, and you get to take selfies with them. So I remember you were saying about the younger generation. One of my friends is um, Bambi Hall out in Vancouver. I've met her several times and we've become friendly. My big thrill was I got the referee once in Ontario, but she was there and Gail Kim was one of the guests. Now, Gail Kim and I, we haven't, I haven't refed her in 30, you know, 25 years or whatever it was, but I went up to her and she says, oh yeah, I remember you and whatever. And I said, can you do me one favor? Because she wanted me and another friend to keep her away from the crowd. Once she recognized me, she says, can you keep away? Only because I've got to catch a plane and I don't want everybody just, if you could just keep people away. So we did that. I said, can I do one thing? Can I grab a friend of mine who would love to meet you? So I went into the banquet, tugged at Bambi and said, would you like to meet Gail Kim? And she said, yeah. So we went out there and the whole idea was to elevate her. And I love Bambi because here was the question she asked. She says, I'm here in wrestling. I don't know how to go up to that next level. Now for a 20 something, I thought, what a great question. And it was, and Gail had nothing but time to give her, you know, because, you know, she, she thought that was great that somebody would ask her, you know, advice like that. And that's the hard thing. Everybody in Ontario gets to hear I can name, you know, 10 names of guys who should be down in the States, but they just can't get to here. And that's, you know, you, who knows how to get there? Who knows? It makes me, it's, it's like being in Ontario and Canada in general. It's just like, there are like, you have 365 wrestling, you have Smash, there's Alpha One, I think it's still in, but there's so many promotions that like, it's a shame from like, as a fan standpoint, like we don't have like a, a television deal, like a CBC television deal where like everyone can see every promotion sort of thing nationally broadcast across all platforms because yeah, that that's what, that's what I was saying about all-star wrestling. All-star wrestling in Vancouver in the 70s um, and, and 80s as well um, was broadcast all across Canada on CTV. Hmm. So I was, you know, it was just local guys. Nobody really made it from there that I can think of. <clears throat> but um, I watched them and was like, yay, this is amazing. I love this. And then you got to know the guys. Originally, the, the guys on that show were Gene Kaniski. You'd see Jimmy Snuka would come in or Roddy Piper would come in. Um, so, I'm, you know, John Leo Jonathan, that was in the 70s. But in the 80s, it had gone down to almost like an indie show. So it wasn't anybody super famous or anything, but it, that was fun too. And um, so, yeah, you're right. It made national stars of these guys so that they could go anywhere. Now, you know, uh, for instance, Von Vertigo, a, a local wrestler in Ontario, 
he's going to Europe. Well, he's got to promote himself. Now, he's really good with the technology, so he makes these great packages. And, uh, you know, he went up to the East Coast. He's going to the West Coast. He's doing 365 out there and a few shows. But he's got to promote himself now. So, you know, um, the new technology has changed wrestling quite a bit. So, uh, like you were talking about the AEW and all the lighting and all that stuff with WWE, you know, it's a, it's a different program now. And it's lost that small. And I, well, I think that's also part of, like, I feel like everything's kind of, like, I feel like AWWE, like, there are impacts. Uh, like, the fact that the pandemic did happen, it's just kind of, like, hindered so many people's opportunities in terms of being able to, you know, get to that next level because yeah, shows have to be canceled. There's no exposure for, like, say, um, Jody Threat wanted to work with, I don't know, fucking Rosemary, and then, like, but they can't do it now because of border issues or something like that. Like exactly. It's, it, it, just, it's, it seems like it's they're kind of like have two hands tied behind their back and they're just kind of waiting, which is unfortunate. But I'm hoping, 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 yeah. you know, Jody, all these Jody talented men and women in our you, area you, are you, able to. You, you dropped Jody Threat's name and uh, if she isn't the next thing, I don't know what is because I, I think she is so talented and so much a cut above everybody else. Sorry, ladies, but Jody's just so much better than everybody out there right now in Ontario. Um Sorry, I don't. I mean, I'm causing shit here, but I don't. That's not really a secret. I've said that for a long, long time. Used to piss me off, but you know, that's sorry. That's the way it goes. Jody's the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. And I, I think I mentioned to you that I, you know, the only shows I watch really, I like AEW. I do, because, and a lot of it's because you know they have Arn Anderson and Tully and some of these guys. Um, they, 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 they respect the older guys and the new guys. So they like the new indie guys. I've shared you know, dressing rooms with a lot of those wrestlers, which is kind of, and a, and a good Canadian content with those guys too. So he must be helping paying their, their visas and things or whatever the word is, green card or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I watch NWA. Why? Shitty lighting, old school feel, 150 people in the crowd. It's wrestling the way I grew up. And you know, and this the, the new this is the new Billy Corgan run into you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? and I'm I watch it, I pay money for it, I pay, you know, whatever it is a month, you know, five bucks a month or whatever. I pay it just for that one hour a week. And it's horrible sometimes. And sometimes you watch a match and I go, Oh my gosh, you know, you know, oh my gosh, Ricky Morton's wrestling this week, you know. And I, you know, and then I tear up. I get I'm very emotional about wrestling, like I really love it that much. And uh, you know. The idea that I've refereed Abdul the Butcher and Jake the Snake Roberts and some of my idols like you know, is shocking to me. So I mean, I, I have that nostalgia thing, but I've also refereed the Young Bucks and MJF. So I mean, yeah, I, you know, I've been pretty lucky. I have the I have this theory about life, um, and if and, and that's why I think you're such a great example to have on the podcast and why. But my Aww. theory in life, my theory in life is that like. Uh, when you're on your deathbed, the only thing that you have left is the stories that you are, are able to tell. And I feel like Absolutely. you are, have so many stories to tell and so many more. I think we'll have to get you back on. But uh, for now, we'll kind okay. of wrap it up um, now with this uh, a few more questions. Okay. Uh, before we wrap it up, though, uh, where can people find you on Instagram, t- TikTok, Twitter, all that fun stuff? Usually, like Instagram and Facebook, at Eddie Old School, will probably get you. I have a, a personal Facebook, but I would prefer people do the wrestling one. So at Eddie Old School on Instagram and at Eddie Old School 123 is my TikTok. And on there, I do all the TikTok trend dancing. Okay. So for me, that's fascinating because like I'm not on TikTok. And the fact that a man who's like 20 years older than me is on TikTok. Just got rid of my Snapchat. It's like, oh my God, like I'm that old guy now. He's like, no, I reg- I am regretfully going, not going to do that sort of thing. Yeah, I hear that all the time, actually. But uh, yeah, 
So that's how you get a hold of me. And so I'm my available. last question, my last question to you so right now is, uh, my last question to you right now, um, two questions. Are, um, you're a teacher, um, you're a professional referee. Uh, how are you, now that you're getting more on in life and you kind of mentioned how like you kind of want the refs to be in, in Ontario to be a little better, are, are you looking into any modes of like teaching refereeing in Ontario? I've been asked several times, but um, I don't think I have a lot to offer. I think if you, when you've got Corderas in town. See, like I would Oscar, disagree with that because like you have a different avenue because like you were a fan thrown into yeah. it. You've evolved. Like I feel like I have things to offer. I think I would love to help. I, I mean, when Josh opened up a school, yeah. I asked him if he needed my help. But I mean, I don't think they see what I could offer. Um, I, I would love to just do a half hour chat with the wrestlers, new wrestlers, tell them, you know, how to use me as a referee and that kind of thing. Um, but no, I've never been used that way. And uh, Harry D also, and I don't, I try not, I try to remember to mention him every time he works out of destiny in Toronto and everything. His experience is amazing. He did some WCW back in the day. He's refereed Hulk. He's refereed some of the big ones. People don't realize how much experience he has. He's 10, 15 years younger than me, but he has a million times more. And I, and I actually talked to a wrestler once who said that Harry D grew up around the corner from the tallest brothers and around the corner from Dewey Roberts. He said he's known wrestling since he was five years old. I can't compete with that. I can't compete with Cordero. Yeah, but I mean, it's so, so you're, you're trying to be humble. So, you know, go fuck yourself in terms of that. Like, stop being so humble. Like, because you have the experience. You have the knowledge that you can help people. And there are so many promotions that just book someone that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And I'm, I'm a prime example of that. I remember being a referee for a, uh, a match at in Barrie. And I it was like, go home after five minutes because I was so bad sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, those are like, those are- How the come I don't are, remember that? And I live in Barrie, cl close to it. So. Or no, no, sorry, no, Barrie. Uh, what was it? Timmins, I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Timmins, Barrie. That's, you know, only a thousand miles apart. It was the fraternity versus um that TNA oh. guy, Robbie something. I forget his name. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, and it was like a, it was a, a it, it was a train wreck. Um, yeah. but I could have some help. I could have had someone tell me what the hell I'm doing, sort of thing. If if you get me on a game, we'll talk about tag teams because tag teams are hell. Yeah. Um, and th and then so that's something I think you should get into is like teaching because you have the teaching background, so you could know how to talk to people, especially young referees. I feel like that's something that you should get to. And also, another thing I would say is may reach out to uh, Hard Knocks Wrestling because I feel like uh, that's more your style of wrestling that you'd really enjoy doing uh, here yep. down in London, Strathroy. And my last, uh, my last little uh, question for you here is, um, with all the experience, like, do you have a favorite match that you watched as a fan and a favorite match you watched as a referee? Okay, I'll show you though. I'll actually show you. Just a second. I'm going to pull a picture off my wall right now. <laughs> uh, but I'm really old, so it's going to take me a minute. All right. I guess I should have just moved my camera. But right here are my favorite matches. That was me with Ultimo Dragon. Yep. But there's my Fit favorite Finley. match Barry Ontario, Fit Finley versus Harry Smith. Wow. So that's a classic old school. Oh, there's Rikishi. What do you know? Yeah. Oh, and Anderson. Kennedy so I mean that was my favorite Fit Finley and Harry Smith it was amazing Fit how Finley. old school was that match I mean imagine that oh, was it was so just technical. all grappling it was all grappling and um, uh, Fit Finley worked Harry and I totally halfway through the match he says oh shit I broke my thumb Harry he broke it. and one of the things as a referee you do is communicate from one wrestler to the other so I Okay, uh, work around the right hand because he's broken his thumb, okay? All right, and then you just keep going. And uh, at the end of the match, I said, well, how's your thumb? 
with them. He worked us both the whole match. He had nothing wrong with his thumb. He was just being a dick. But that's the kind of that's the old school kind of fun they had. So I mean, they, he was just being silly and that. What a match! What a it's my kind of match. I, I like that old style grappling. So. Jim Conley, professional wrestling referee, uh, teacher, uh, Zumba King, uh, TikToker. <laughs> so, many, so many things that you've done in your life. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I really appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at the next wrestling show. Absolutely, and if you want me back, I'm available. <laughs> Perfect. See you guys. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast with Old School Jim Connolly. Um, if you remember earlier uh, in the podcast series, I guess, I don't know if this is a series, it's just a podcast, uh, I had comedian Ron Haig. Ron is also a teacher, and he has a podcast called The Teacher Hotline. And uh, Jim's actually going to be on a future episode of that uh, podcast. Uh, so stay, stay tuned to that future episode of uh, Ron's podcast with Jim. Um, and as for me, I, uh, I have a lot more guests on the way for you guys so uh stay tuned uh stay calm and uh carry on and uh we'll see you guys down the road cheers